0: My one thing was that I communicated with an audience to storytell ideas that I thought would be helpful. That is my one thing. If you go back to the very beginning, to the blog, to the old school, if you look at every single thing I have ever done, and I've done a lot, that is the one through line. I have never changed my one thing but I found a way to have multiple streams of revenue that all fell under that same category. So back in the day, I had sponsored blog posts and then later we added a conference and then I started to do public speaking and then I had a book that I sold for like $5 and like a few people bought it and that was, every single thing was like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and it added up. Hi. Hi guys, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. I hope you're having a fantastic day, or at the very least, if you feel like you're not having a fantastic day, I hope that us hanging out together will maybe make it a little bit better than it was before. I wanna start off by saying yes, I know that my mouth looks a little funny right now. If you're watching this in video form, yes, I do have a cold sore. Yes, she is very sexy. And having a cold sore means that I am speaking a little bit funny, but I promise the content is going to be fantastic, even if it's coming out of a mouth that looks like it got punched. It's so fascinating to me that I have not had a cold sore in years. And on Friday, I finished My book. I finished my 10th book. I turned it into my editor. I was so proud. I was so pumped that it was done. And the next morning I woke up and I had a cold sore. The day before, nothing, no indication, optimum health. In fact, I would say I'm in the best health of my life right now. And the next morning I woke up with a cold sore. And that is not what today's episode is about, but I just find, I find our bodies so fascinating because when I was younger, I really didn't understand that our body is always speaking to us. Always. It is always trying to get our attention. It is always trying to say, I need more water. I need more sleep. I don't feel good. This kind of food doesn't work with me. This person makes me uncomfortable. Like your body is always speaking to you. And whatever is going on with you is working itself out in your physical form. Our emotions process physically always. So I thought how interesting that it didn't feel stressful to me to be in the last, you know, chunk of writing this book. But oftentimes my body will process stress that my mind isn't isn't taking on. So when I woke up and I had this Colds are at first I was pretty disappointed. I, this is maybe weird, but I get a bit disappointed in myself when I feel like I'm not in the best health that I can be because I know that I've done something to cause that, right? Like I'm not accidentally going to have inflammation in my body. I'm not accidentally going to get sick. Those things happen Because I'm not taking care of myself. And maybe you've heard me talk about this. I made a decision a few years ago that I don't get sick anymore. Stuck a flag in the ground. I don't get sick. It's my mantra. I'm in optimum health. I feel great. I have tons of energy that's really important to me as a mama of four kids, as a partner. I wanna be a good girlfriend. I wanna be a good best friend to my besties. Like it's very important to me that I'm in great health and that I have good energy. So when something happens, it's very rare, but when something happens like this, it kind of bums me out because I'm like, oh, you slipped. Meaning like you did something where you weren't tuning in, you weren't checking in, you weren't doing what you needed to do to make sure that you're okay. And I know exactly what it is. If I'm having something come out in my physical form that I didn't know was there, I wasn't tracking it emotionally, it's because I'm not checking in, I'm not aligned with my inner wisdom the way that I need to be. And I, I don't know about you, everybody's different, but a big part of me being in tune with my inner knowing, with my inner wisdom, with God, the universe, all of those things, a big part of that is daily meditation. And I'm not even going to lie to you guys, I got out of the habit of meditating for the last month because I've been so busy, there's so much going on, and I'm using every spare second I have to write and get stuff done and still show up for the kids the way that I need to, like all of that. And I just stopped doing this thing that is really important for me. And actually, I did it'll it'll be it'll come up in the next few weeks. I actually did a quick word on this. If you don't know, on Mondays I release episodes that are 10 minutes or less and I call them a quick word. It's just like a quick word, a quick thought that I had and I actually made one about this subject, which hold on, I want to tell you exactly what I wrote cuz you guys are going to dig it. The six most dangerous words for anybody who's trying to maintain momentum, for anyone who wants continued success, the six most dangerous words are I've gotten out of the habit. I've gotten out of the habit. I think we all have an example of this in our life where there is something, there is a practice that you do. You, you know, Maybe during COVID, you got really good at getting outside and walking around the neighborhood or maybe it was drinking enough water. Maybe it was your therapist. Maybe it was scheduling a regular date with your wife. Maybe it was calling your grandma on the weekends. Whatever it was, do you have anything in your life that you know was a really helpful practice and you've just gotten out of the habit? The meditation for me was something that I was like, oh, I'm... You know, I'm doing all these other things. I'm keeping all my other habits. I'm keeping my other routines. And I'm connected with God. I'm praying all day. I, I don't need this. I can put this great habit that I know is awesome for me. I can just set that to the side for a minute and pick it up again when I'm done with this project. But that's that's never what happens. We don't just pop back into something a few weeks later. What happens (laughs) is that it usually takes a while for the wheels to fall off and us to go, Whoa, how did I get? How did I backslide this much? How did I get to this point? And in that realization, you got to ask yourself, Wait, what changed? So for me, I was like, you haven't been meditating. And if I haven't been meditating, it means I'm not taking time out of every day to check in with my body the way I need to. And I think if I had been meditating, I probably would have felt a lot more of the tension that then manifested as this sore on my mouth, which is very painful. So it's just a good reminder, a good little nudge from my body that, like, okay, we gotta be, we gotta be aligned on this. I literally put on, you guys will laugh. I literally I have this beaded bracelet that has a stone for each chakra. And if you ever see me wearing this on the show, it's because I, I know that I've gotten out of alignment. And putting the bracelet on is just a reminder for me. Like, oh, yep, okay, let's just jump right back in. If you find yourself in a similar situation where you can identify a habit that you have let go of or a practice that you know that you should pull back in, don't allow a moment of shame about that. Don't even dwell. The shame is not going to serve you at all. The guilt is not going to serve you at all. Instead, just be like, oh, thank you. Thank you, inner wisdom. Thank you, God. Thank you, guardian angels. Thank you to whatever you personally believe in. Thank you for the reminder to get back on my path. You know, if you've ever heard the story about an airplane. If you're if you're in an airplane and you're flying from LA to New York, I don't know how many times it happens, but many times in the course of that flight, the pilots get off track. There's wind speeds and variables and things. And the whole time a plane is flying in any direction, they're constantly course correcting. They're constantly looking at Details and information and the instruments in front of them and the computers on the airplane are constantly telling, Oop, you're off a little bit to the right, let's straighten out. Oop, you you went off over here. You're, you're over Phoenix and you're not supposed to be. Let's straighten her back out. Like pilots of an airplane are constantly course correcting. They have all of these computers and resources and tools that are alerting them to the fact that they've gotten off course. Your body is the computer and resource and tool. And it is trying to tell you in a myriad of different ways that you've gotten off course a little bit. And it's time to just don't, you don't have to spend one second pondering why. Just, oop, yep, I'm gonna head, I'm gonna start doing my walks again because it really helps me, I'm gonna start doing that again. Luxury is meant to be livable. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cash Back Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Now that we've had a good long conversation about my cold sore, let's talk about what we're actually going to discuss today, which is My Secrets to Success, which is a pretty douchey title. And maybe the team will come up with something better before this actually goes live. Let me tell you my intention, and then you can make up whatever title you want for this episode. But I want you to know where the idea came from. I was on YouTube because I love watching a YouTube video that's like motivational or inspiring or whatever. And I wanted to look at something about high achievement. I I have this idea for an upcoming episode. And so I just wanted to see what other people had pulled together for under the term high achiever. And as far as I can tell, high achiever on YouTube is a bunch of bros working out really hard with like B-roll and then motivational speeches over the top. And it's really intense. And there are some times where that kind of video will just absolutely check a box for me. But mostly I was like, what does it look like to care about achievement, but not have it be like this, not have it be so intense. So that was why I was on YouTube. More on that episode coming up. You know, when you're on YouTube, it'll serve you other videos that are sort of similar. Well, one of the other videos it served was like, 10 Habits That Made Me a Millionaire. Well, that's a fantastic title. So I'm going to click on it because I was like, well, I'm curious what you think helped you get to this place of financial success. And I was like, yes, I agree with some of these. Some of these I don't. This is the beauty of life is that everybody has different approaches and you can pick and choose what works for you. But that gave me the idea for today's episode which essentially is if forced to come up with five things that I think have contributed the most to my success, what are those? And as I sat and journaled through it, I was like, oh yeah, I actually, I have some thoughts on this. I have some really specific ideas and some of them I haven't talked about before, but I do think that they're a big part of why I am successful. But before I jump into that, the reason I wanted to do this episode and not something that was like how to make a million dollars is because when we only identify a financial success, we're missing a much greater picture. So me five years ago would have been like I would have had such a boner for how to make a million dollars like how do I do that what do I do I would have been so into that idea but then I experienced my first year where I independently without any other resource made over a million dollars and you guys have heard me talk about it it was the worst year of my life and the next year was even more successful like astronomically so and it was even worse. It depleted every single part of my being. It it was the worst. It was just the worst, hardest two years. From the outside looking in, the success was just madness. But from the inside, none of it felt good. And it's one of those things that I don't know if you can really truly appreciate until you're in it. So maybe you will have to get in it. You'll have to hit your financial goal before you realize that truly that number is not what's going to make you happy. But today I want to speak to you as the woman I am now, not the woman who was chasing money back in the day. I am going to talk about financial success, but I'm just not only going to talk about that. And I'm using the word success because what I think is so beautiful is that success is different for each and every one of us. Before you pursue success, you better know what it is you're trying to gain. Because I think that the universe has a beautiful way of collaborating with us to get us where we wanna go. What often happens is that we're headed in a direction that actually isn't the best for us, but we're not gonna know until we get there. So this is the five keys to my success. But let me tell you what success looks like to me. Success looks like I make my own schedule. I do work on my terms. I have a small but mighty team of people that I love who help me produce this show. I am working right now in my den. I'm sitting crisscross applesauce, you know, drinking coffee, wearing an old band tee. This is my office. I literally sit here and I journal or I, you know, work on the computer. I come up with ideas or I read books. But this is a huge piece of my success is that I'm doing work that I love and I'm doing it on my terms. Success to me looks like I send my kids to school every single morning We do breakfast, I make lunches, get them ready to go, get them out the door. Success looks like I'm here when they come home from school. I make dinner, I do bedtimes. Yes, absolutely. I travel for work sometimes, but I would say 98% of the time, I am there when my kids wake up and I am there when they come home from school. And that is a huge piece of what success looks like to me. Success looks like I'm in charge of my own schedule. So if right now I feel like, you know what, actually my mouth really hurts uh, or I'm really tired or I'm just over this today, I can stop work for today and go walk around the lake. I can go get a coffee. My best friends used to live in Austin. And the amount of times that it would be like Wednesday and Sammy would be like, do do you want to go get a margarita? And it would be like two o'clock on a Wednesday and kids would be with their dad. I didn't have to take care of anybody. I was like, yeah, I do want to go get a margarita at two o'clock on a Wednesday. Sammy's bad influence notwithstanding, I have full control of my schedule. I can do this job from anywhere. If you've never heard it before, I have recorded podcasts in Hawaii, in Switzerland, in London, in New York. Like it's a freaking dream. I can do this job from anywhere anywhere. The last piece that I think is worth saying, a definition of success to me, is that I can afford anything I want. I hesitate to even say that because I feel like it sounds a certain kind of way. It's probably worth adding in that I don't want for very many things. I'm not someone who's like, oh, I've got to get the next car or I need you know, this, these really great shoes or these really, I'm not like, um, I don't care that much about physical things. I do care a lot about experiences. So I will pay to go to concerts of my favorite bands. I absolutely invest in travel for myself and my children, but there's nothing in life that I want that I can't afford, which brings me to a really great piece of this conversation. These are the five things that I think have made me successful. And I'm going to list them because I'm hoping that maybe one of them is going to be the exact thing that you need to hear to like have something click for you and give you some insight into a whole new direction to head. These are things that I have done consistently for over a decade to get to this place of success. Success as defined by me. For over a decade, I've done these things. But there is a really big piece of privilege in me getting to do these things. And it's very important that I say it. One of the things that I don't take in a lot of what has been said about me or my success over the years, but one piece that I have heard You know, every once while you'll see like a comment section or someone will say that because I was married to a successful man, that made me successful. (sighs) And it does make rage bubble up into my throat. Uh, I think any woman who has worked her ass off to get to the place that she's at And then has the world be like, yes, but someone helped, you know, yes, but your husband, yes, but your boyfriend, yes, but your manager, like women get this a lot and it's fine. You, the internet, everybody can think whatever they want because I know the truth. The only reason I bring it up is there was a piece of being married to someone that gave me immense privilege that I want to touch on. And that is I did not have to worry about childcare. I, I really did try and think yesterday if I felt like there was any piece of this that if I hadn't been married that I wouldn't have had the same results. In fact, I probably would have had the results faster because if I didn't have a partner, I would be like, oh, shit, we really got to grow this thing. But that piece is such a massive privilege That because at the time I had young children and my husband had a really good job, we had babysitters, we had a nanny. I never had to worry about childcare. And that is a massive freaking privilege as a working mom. Period, period, period. Even if There are people who have child care, but it's not consistent, but they don't know where the money's coming from, but they're worried about being able to pay for daycare this month. Even if you're making it work, but you have that thing in the back of your mind that's like, oh gosh, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? That is absolutely going to affect the way that you are able to show up for your work. So- that is a piece of privilege in this conversation. And I'm positive there are 10 others that I'm not even seeing. Just being a white woman, being an American, being straight, being able-bodied. like There's a million things that go into that. And it's worth saying because oftentimes when we hear people talk about what helped make them successful, they don't acknowledge those things. And so maybe you as the listener Aren't thinking through that lens. You're like, oh, well, Rach did this thing, but why can't I get myself to that place? Well, maybe you're struggling in a season where you're trying to overcome something emotionally that's prohibiting you from having the freedom to just make decisions that I was able to make because I had that help. So let's just go into it with that in mind. But that being said, here are five things that I think were huge components to me getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. I have always, always had big goals for myself. always. I have always had big goals. and I think probably the difference between me and other people is that from the t- for as long as I can remember, from the time I was a child, it never occurred to me that I couldn't achieve a goal. I don't even know where that came from. Like, I did not have a childhood where people were like, oh, anything you want can be yours. Like, I did not. If anything, I had a childhood where life was constantly kicking the crap out of our family. So I don't know where this came from. I don't know. But for as long as I can remember, I would imagine. These goals for myself. I would imagine a different future. I would imagine what it would be like to move out of my hometown. I would imagine what it would be like to start my own company. I would imagine these things. And they were never tempered by any disbelief. I have massive belief in myself and my abilities. And I would say that most of my friends or the people I've met on the podcast who have achieved really big goals would tell you something very similar. They would say that they focused on the goal. They didn't obsess over like how. They just obsessed over what. So I've always had massive goals and I've always kept them in sight. Like at any moment, I know what I am working toward. I know what I'm working toward in my professional life. I know what I'm working toward in my personal life. I know my goals always, always there. I write them in my journal. They're in my phone. I talk to my friends about them. I talk to my boyfriend. I talk to my kids. Like Everybody knows what I'm working on at all times. And I actually think this is like a really cool gift that you can give to your kids, is to talk about what you're working on and for them to see you work on it. So y'all know I've been, you know, learning guitar over the last year and a half or 20 years, depending on how we want to look at it. And I made this commitment. It's actually a really great, this is not today's episode, but this is a really great question I've been asking myself lately that is... It's really affecting some massive change for me. That question is how can I give 1% more effort? 1%, not five, not three, 1%. What is 1% more I can do in this moment? Asking myself that question, oh, it's such a game changer, you guys, because it'll prompt me to just do a little bit more. Let's just do three more bicep curls. Let's just do one more round with a kettlebell. Let's just add some mushroom powder to my smoothie because that's going to help my focus today. Let's just chug some water. Just 1% more effort. And I had done this with my guitar. I was like, what is the what is just like the least amount of effort that you can add to this process so you start making more traction, and start making it faster. And I was like, oh, I need to be practicing every day. Well, that feels pretty daunting because my schedule is already very intense. And I was like, what's 1% more effort? 1% more effort is I'm going to practice my guitar every day for 10 minutes. That's it. Just 10 minutes. If you've ever read uh, Limitless by Jim Quick, he gives this example of just doing like the smallest, what's one small thing I can do right now, his thought being you'll never just do 10 minutes. You'll never just read. If you say, I want to read more. Okay, well, all you have to read is one page. Nobody reads one page. You end up reading more, practicing more, doing more, pushing more than you would have otherwise, but you get yourself there through the hack of 1%. So for me, I start practicing my guitar every day. And I tell the kids, because they know we all play instruments in the house. Everyone sort of fiddles around, but nobody really does it consistently. But here I am every freaking night. I put Noah to bed. I go in my room and I start practicing my guitar. And every single day, inevitably, the boys will like wander into my room be like, oh, you're practicing. Like, how many days in a row is it? And like, ooh, what song is that? Even if they never do anything with it on their own, I love that they are watching me keep my word and I love that they are watching me set a goal and act on it so for me keeping goals in sight is huge acting on it is huge but goals are they're the they're the biggest thing there's not another thing on this list some of I, there's some cool stuff on this list but but there's nothing bigger than that if you want to know why I'm successful, why I have financial independence, why I make my own hours, why I do all these things when that was not possible for me a decade ago, it's, it's being super focused on goals. And I did make a note. If you want to hear how I lay out my focus, lay out my goals, align my calendar, do all of that stuff, I did an episode on this. It's episode 375, 375. If you want to go back and listen to that after this one. The one other thing I want to say on this topic of goals is a great book to read. If you've never read it, it's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert, Kiyosaki, by Robert Kiyosaki. It's like old school. This book is so old. But let me Cliff's Notes it for you. You should still 100% get it because it's all about personal finances and taking control, not just with your finances, but also with your mindset surrounding money. And In the opening chapter, he keeps talking about his rich dad and his poor dad. And it's so good. That opening chapter is like a case study in a way to hook a reader. And I don't want to give it away because when you get to the end of that first chapter, you're like, holy crap. But essentially, he's talking about the influence he had of these two men, one who was poor and one who was rich and what their influence did in his life. Grab it. It's it's fantastic. But the tip I wanted to give you from that book as it pertains to these goals is he says, you know, my my poor dad always said, I can't have that. Whatever it was, he would be like, I can't have that. I'm too poor. I can't, I that's not possible for us. We don't have money. That's not possible for us. We don't have connections. His rich dad never said, I can't. His rich dad forbid him from ever saying the words, I can't. His rich dad would see a goal, would see something that he wanted, and start asking questions instead of making statements. He would say, well, how can I get that? Do I know anyone who's connected to this? Is there a way I could save up for this thing? He always believed that there was a route, that there were possibilities, that you could come at it from a bunch of different angles. And essentially, it's the idea of having a rich and abundant mindset. In pursuit of life or a poor, scarce mindset in pursuit of life. And when it comes to goals, I've always had big ones. I've always believed that the goal could be mine if I was willing to work hard enough. And I've always kept those goals front and center in everything I do. The second thing that I believe is a big reason I have financial success. I knew if I did this whole list and I didn't talk about finances, you guys are gonna be bummed. So the second reason that I have financial success, now you have to go back to the beginning of my entrepreneurial career, which at this point is over 20 years in the making. But to get to the place that I was making real money in my business, let's go back a decade. There was one thing that I learned that I never really thought of money this way. I didn't grow up with money. We struggled so much financially. Nobody ever spoke about financial literacy or understanding how money worked. I didn't know anything. And then I found myself running a business, and I still didn't know anything. And there was something that a salesperson said once that fundamentally changed the way I pursued revenue in my business. And I think this is true whether you own a business or you work for someone else and you have a side hustle. This is really important. I did not become financially independent from one source of revenue. I became financially independent from multiple streams of revenue. This salesperson said, we're not looking for a dollar. We're looking to stack dimes. And I was like, what? She was like, we're not trying to hustle for million dollar deal. That would be amazing. But right now, let's not focus on a million dollar deal. Right now, let's focus on stacking dimes. Let's figure out how to have multiple streams of revenue that equal a million dollars. When you are first trying to figure out how to gain financial independence or how to grow your revenue or how to grow your personal wealth or how to pay off debt, thinking in terms of multiple streams is huge. Now, Perhaps if you've hung out with me for a while, you're like, wait a minute, Rach, you always talk about one goal, choosing one thing and going all in. Yes, you are absolutely right. But my one thing was you. My one thing was that I communicated with an audience to storytell ideas that I thought would be helpful. That is my one thing. If you go back to the very beginning, to the blog, to the old school, if you look at every single thing I have ever done, and I've done a lot, that is the one through line. I have never changed my one thing, but I found a way to have multiple streams of revenue that all fell under that same category. So back in the day, I had sponsored blog posts and then later we added a conference and then I started to do public speaking. And then I had a book that I sold for like $5 and like a few people bought it. And that was, every single thing was like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And it added up. I stacked dimes. Now, if I was today, if I was working for another business But I wanted to get to a place with financial independence. And if you are listening to this podcast, honestly, I don't personally understand a world where you wouldn't be trying to figure out how to have financial independence. Yeah, like we don't need millions of dollars, but it is super helpful if you know where rent is coming from this month. Like, what would your life be like if you had a little bit extra, if you even like 150 bucks extra this month that you could use to go get yourself a massage or that you could put into a savings account or that you could treat your parents to a beautiful dinner to thank them. Like, there's so many things you could do with a little extra money that would make your life feel better. So I... Maybe it's the hustler in me. Maybe it's the Enneagram 3 in me. If I wasn't doing this, I still would be trying to figure out how to have multiple streams of revenue to take better care of myself and the people that I love. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I know people don't like to talk about money. It makes them uncomfortable. It makes them feel weird. But I cannot, I cannot fathom what my life would be like the last few years if i wasn't able to support myself and my children financially and the absolute lucky duck super blessing of being able to support myself and my children in a way that feels really good to me like i get to hang out with you guys and talk and interview people on the podcast and like that's how i support that's amazing Not everybody has that privilege. And there was a time when I didn't have that privilege. There was a time when I worked three jobs and I was single and living in LA and poor. Oh, I was broke as a joke. Like I've been all the things and I never want to go back there. So when it comes to financial success, for me personally, there is no world where I would work for one person and that's all I would do ever. I'm just because like there's too many ways that you can make extra money there's so um, it's literally endless go on YouTube look it up you can find something that perfectly aligns with the hobby that you love and that can bring you a little extra to do with in whatever way you want to do something with it. you know there's an old expression that says that money is the root of all evil that is fake news that is a joke money isn't the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Actually having money and being able to support yourself and your family is huge. So don't shy away from that. If you want to get to a place where you have financial independence, you're going to have to take that seriously. Okay, the third thing that I did that I feel like was huge was huge in me getting to a place where I have success in business, as a content creator, as an author, as all of it, was, you've heard me talk about this a billion times, a willingness to fail. That's it. So many of you are not pursuing your ideas, your creative inspiration, the potential that you believe you have in your heart. So many of you are not pursuing that because you're afraid you're going to fail. And not only am I not afraid of failing, but I have in so many ways. I failed financially. I failed as a leader. I failed publicly. I failed as a parent, a friend, a sister, a human, all of it. But the difference between high achievers and people who don't ever achieve much is that high achievers look at failures as like knowledge. There's there's wisdom there. There's hard-earned wisdom. There's information about how to do it better the next time. There's information about what went wrong. There's so much detail in those moments because you learn how to navigate around them the next time. So people are either terrified of failing once or they fail and they think that that's their answer. They think that everyone else had this clear and easy path from the starting line to the top of the mountain. It's just not true. Every single person that you admire has a list of failures a mile long. The difference is that we were willing to acknowledge them to face them head on, to look at it and go, okay, how do I fix this? How do I do better? How do I learn from this? How do I grow from this? And how do I use this as my platform for where we go from here? Years ago, I was at a conference and I heard Dave Ramsey speak. And he said, you know, people see the successful as like, they imagine us like standing on a mountaintop. Like you're on this mountaintop of success. And I was just like, oh, wow, look at that on the mountaintop of success. And he's like, we're not standing on a mountaintop of success. We're standing on one failure stacked on top of another. We are standing on a mountaintop of failure. But the difference between the successful and the unsuccessful is that we are standing on top of the failures instead of buried underneath them. We don't let failure determine our potential. So a willingness to fail was how I was able to continue to do better in all the ways. And a really simple way to pursue that is a process of reviewing and reflecting. Reviewing and reflecting. Every year at the end of the year, I do this massive Year end review. You could go back to like December, end of December, and find a podcast. I do a podcast on it every year where I review the previous year and I say, okay, what worked? What didn't work? I do this on the monthly. Every single month, when it's a full moon, goes into the full moon episode of this podcast where I talk about every single month, full moon. I ask, what worked? What didn't work? What do I need to let go of this month? Like I'm constantly looking back so that I can refine the decisions I'm going to make in the future. Your momentum is great. Your energy is great. Your drive is great. But if you're just plowing headlong into the future without any thought process of what's working and what's not working, it's like that airplane we talked about at the beginning. You're going to be headed to New York and end up in Albuquerque because you didn't stop to ask whether or not you were headed in the right direction. So just understand that failure is intrinsically tied to success. Four, I evolved. Now, I haven't talked about this. I was actually really excited when this idea occurred to me yesterday because I don't think I've talked about this because I don't think I've ever really consciously realized that this was a huge component for me, but it is. Remember I told you that I had One through line, one thing, which is an audience that I communicate with for a decade. I storytell to this audience and I share ideas that I think will be helpful. That has never changed. But the way I storytell has changed constantly, constantly, constantly. People could look at my career and be like, wait a minute, she was a food blogger, she had cookbooks, she wrote romance, she wrote women's fiction, then all of a sudden she started speaking on stages, then all of a sudden she wrote these self-help books, now she's throwing conferences, now she has a podcast, then she did a Quibi show, I've written scripts, I've written songs. Like, You could very easily look at my career and be like, this is madness. This chick keeps changing what she's doing. Like, what? who is she? What is she? Y'all, I'm a storyteller. The way I storytell has evolved. Because years ago, I looked at every single person that I admired and I was like, they all evolve. Madonna evolves. Lady Gaga evolves. Lady Gaga used to wear a meat dress. Can we, do we remember when Lady Gaga showed up at an awards show wearing a dress made of meat? Now she's winning Oscars, the classiest woman in the freaking room. That is an evolution. Bradley Cooper started out, what was that show that he was on the show with um, Jennifer Garner? Do you guys remember? That was such a good show. Wasn't Bradley Cooper the roommate to Jennifer Garner in the show where she was a spy? And I'm forgetting what that was called, but I loved that show back in the day. That's what Bradley Cooper used to do. Then all of a sudden he's evolving. Then he's doing you know, Silver Linings Playbook. Then he's a character in Marvel movies. And suddenly it's like, holy crap, Bradley Cooper's the biggest thing since sliced bread. Then he's like, oh, wait, I'm going to redo A Star is Born. I'm going to learn to sing. I'm going to direct. People are going to think I'm having an affair with Lady Gaga. Maybe he was. Who knows? He continues to evolve. I challenge you to look at every person you admire who's an author, uh, an actor, a director, an artist who has stood the test of time, someone who's been around for decades. David Bowie, like one of my creative icons, talk about an evolution. Every single person I admire has done the same thing, but evolved the modality that they did it with. This is true for me. You will continue to see things. You're like, well, now she's going on tour. Now she has a movie coming out. Now she's doing, yeah. If you don't evolve, you die creatively, period. Your well is empty. You've got nothing to pull from. So a huge piece of me continuing to like climb up the ladder of success, both in terms of financial success success in the media, but also for me personally, like it just keeps feeling good is a willingness to keep changing the way I show up. There are so many people who find a way to success. They get to the top of the mountain and you never see them climb another mountain. 10 years later, they're still doing the same thing. They're still doing the same show. They're still doing the same keynote speech. They're still doing the same blog. They're still doing the same thing. And that is their choice. And maybe that feels really good. Maybe that is their definition of success. So like, you know what? I don't want this job to be too overwhelming. I want something I can punch in, punch out my time clock, and then I get to go hang it on the beach or I get to go be with my kids or I get to go be with my partner. That's their version of success. But one of my definitions of success is a creative evolution. And it just so happens that if I, as I have continued to change The modality creatively, I have also experienced the success of that financially. The last thing that I think has contributed greatly to my success is I have always maintained an attitude of a student. I have always stepped into situations like, what can I learn? I am reading more today than I did a decade ago. And I was reading a lot a decade ago. I am a voracious learner. I am constantly like, you heard me. Like My daughter goes down for a nap. Okay, I want to watch a YouTube video about how to grow in a certain way, or I want to learn something new. So I bring that to my own personal values, but I also walk into opportunity. Like When I'm collaborating with someone else, if I'm going to go into a songwriting session, if I'm going to work on a new project with someone, I'm always walking in with like, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and I'm so excited to be here, and I can't believe I have this opportunity, and I want to be a sponge, and I want to learn as much as I possibly can. I keep this mentality of this eager student. And I do think that that is where I get ideas from. That's where my creativity gets filled up. It's where I learn about people who are doing interesting things, and then I reach out, or I'll see something in my research, that I'm like, oh, I would love to have this person come on the podcast. Like, that feeds everything. And I would not be who I am or where I am if I didn't have that learner's mentality, that student mentality. And I don't care what you do. I am, I have my job. I do this work. You can be the CEO, you can be starting a business, you can be a nurse, you can be a teacher. Creativity weaves its way into every single person's job. And if you're not constantly feeding the well, you're not going to see anything bigger than the life you are currently living. This idea of goals, that's from being a student. This idea of stacking dimes, a willingness to fail, constantly learning, like all of those things are the result of this mentality and it has served me so well and I hope that I am a 90 year old woman and I'm still doing this show and I'm telling you guys like y'all I just learned to dance the Argentinian tango you know I'm still learning it's so good for your brain it's so good for your self-esteem it's so good for your pride it's good for everything take 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, just like me with a guitar, and ask, what can I do with 10 minutes? Could you work on learning a new language? Could you read a book that's nonfiction? There are no vampires falling in love with anybody in this book. You're just learning something about an area that interests you. Could you pick up a newspaper? Can you crack a book? Can you listen to a podcast? What can you do with 10 minutes a day? To just bring the energy of eager student. That vibrational level of eager student, it always serves. It always serves. It attracts such incredible teachers, such great wisdom. I'll get these article at the exact moment that I needed to get it. It's just, it's fantastic. And it's a huge piece of the life that I live today. So I hope you'll consider adding that into your stack of habits. Thank you so much for hanging out, guys. I appreciate you spending this time with me. If you are still here and you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, please do that. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if this served you, if there was some nugget that you loved, if you feel like it was helpful, will you please consider sharing it with someone that you know? Send it to your sister, your friend, your husband. Like Maybe there's a little piece in this that you guys want to talk about later over dinner. But when we have a circle of people that can talk about the stuff that we're interested in, that really helps us to elevate our game. I hope this conversation helped you elevate your game. I'll be back soon with more information. And until then, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.